Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak your word to us today, that we would hear your word, and it would bear fruit in our lives all to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Jesus succeeds where we fail. He succeeds where we fall short. On this past Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, we began the season of Lent, which, which runs from now all the way up until Holy Week and Easter this year in April. And part of the point of that season is to take a good, hard, honest look inside at the ways that we fail and sin, to change our ways, to honestly confess and repent, and to do that hard work of opening ourselves up to God's penetrating light and acknowledge where we sin and fall short of God's standards. And our readings today will help us with that. But ultimately, the whole point, the focus of all of this is not primarily on the fact that we fail, which is true, but it is on the fact that Jesus succeeds. We sin, and we continue to do so, and we need to face that, and we need to change, but the ultimate focus is not on us and our sin, but on Him and His victory. He defeats sin and death. He defeats every temptation. He takes on Himself the worst that the enemy could throw at Him, both in the temptations in the desert and on the cross in His crucifixion, and Jesus defeats all of it, and rises victorious. And the whole point is not that we fail, though we do, but that He wins. And so this morning we're going to look together at Jesus' time in the desert being tempted by the devil, seeing how He succeeds and how He triumphs over the devil and His temptations, and then also learn from Him how we can do the same. So if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, which was read today. Matthew chapter 4, page 809, if you'd like to follow along in the red Bibles in front of you. Matthew chapter 4, page 809. So Jesus is fasting and praying in the wilderness for 40 days. And as it says in verse 1, it says that he is there specifically to be tempted by the devil. Take that for a sobering sentence. He is there specifically to be tempted by the devil. And so the devil appears to him to tempt him, to test him, to try to get him to fail. And each time, Jesus resists him. Each time, Jesus does something very specific in resisting the temptation. Each time... Jesus quotes and applies God's Word, the Bible, to the temptation. When Jesus is tempted, He turns to and clings to and uses the truth of God's Word to resist that temptation. So today, I want to focus on His Word specifically in verse 4. When Jesus, quoting the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy in response to that first temptation to prove if you really are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. 
Jesus says in response, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In resisting temptation, Jesus declares that the word of God is more important even than food. The word of God, the Bible, God's word delivered to us, and that word is even more important to our life than food. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God is of that great importance. So in my house, every night I read the Bible with my children. Just as a side note, by the way, I do not do that because I'm a priest. I do that because I'm a dad. I'm a parent. Here ends that part of the lesson. (laughs) But every night I read at least a small portion of the Bible with my children. And one child in particular will sometimes say something along the lines of, we don't need to read the Bible every day. And I remind them, no, the Bible is the most important book in the whole wide world. This is God's word. And so we should always read it. It's the most important and valuable thing that we have. Or to use Jesus' words here, People shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God is more important to us even than food. And so following Jesus' example of knowing and trusting and applying the Bible in temptation, I want us to see then two aspects of the word of God that we can then follow as well. Two key things that we see from Jesus here that apply to us as well. And the first is this, the Word of God, the Bible, the Word of God guides us in obedience. The Word of God guides us. It guides us in how we should live. Jesus knew that the temptation was wrong because he knew that it was contrary to the Bible. Jesus knew God's Word, and that guided him in obedience. And I will say, personally, I find this fascinating. I find this very, very interesting that Jesus responded to the temptations by quoting the Bible. And here's why. Because remember, Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is God made man. And so it's interesting to me that he doesn't say to the devil, go away, I'm God, do you really think I need to prove that to you? I just think it's fascinating because he could have just as easily said that, but rather Jesus does what we need to do. He shows us how to live in obedience. He responds to the temptation in the way that we need to, and he clings to the call of God revealed in the Bible, and he knows how to be obedient to the Father because of what is spoken to us in Scripture. And that's what we need to do as well. Knowing the Bible well enough to actually be able to follow what it says. And then being willing to follow even when it's hard. Following no matter what. And so the Bible guides us in obedience and Jesus actually shows us that and lives the way we should. But to be honest, many Christians just 
flat don't read the Bible enough even to know what it says. Now, of course, there are some people who uh, do know what it says, and they just would prefer to do their own thing. That's actually different than what I'm talking about right now. So, for example, the Bible clearly says that Christians should give generously of our finances and even provides a nice minimum percentage that we should be giving, a minimum of 10%, and many Christians know that, just don't want to do it. The Bible says very clearly that sexual activity is to be reserved only for a marriage between a man and a woman, but many Christians just don't want to do that. That's different. That's what I would call willful disobedience. But there are also Christians who just don't read the Bible and therefore don't even know what obedience to God would look like. And we need to faithfully and intentionally follow Jesus' example of reading and studying and applying God's word so that we can know what he calls us to do. Now, the Bible is so much more than just teaching on obedience. But in our context here in Matthew 4, that's what we see Jesus doing. He knows what is supposed to be done because he knows the Word of God. He knows the Bible. God has revealed himself in Scripture and told us. And so we as Christians, and you as an individual Christian, need to read the Bible. And I'm not in this moment talking about in-depth academic study, but I'm talking about opening it up and reading. Learn, memorize, and obey. Do what it says. Don't explain away something you don't like. Do what Jesus says and follow his example. Read the Bible, knowing that God guides, God guides us in obedience through it. Second, the Word of God protects us in temptation. It protects us in temptation. The Bible guides us in obedience to and shows us what obedience to God should look like, but then it actually helps protect us when temptations do arise. And you'll notice that in the second temptation, after Jesus had used Scripture in the first one to guide him in obedience, in the second temptation, the devil himself quotes the Bible to Jesus as part of the temptation. The devil himself quoted the Bible to Jesus. Now, he misuses it, and he intentionally tries to twist its meaning to serve his purposes, but he quotes the Bible as part of his temptation to Jesus. And because Jesus knew the Bible, because he had read it over and over and over again, he knew what was happening. And his years of faithfully reading the Bible protected him in that temptation. When the Bible was misused by the enemy, Jesus knew. And he shows us that we can as well. And again, I think it's fascinating that he does not say to the devil, devil, I'm God incarnate. I'm the God who is revealed in the Bible. Do you really try to quote my own word to me? He doesn't say that. Instead, he does what we can do. He uses the Bible correctly as a protection against temptation. The word of God protects us in the midst of temptation. 
But the fact is that there are many, many these days who are quoting the Bible to teach things that are completely contrary to what it actually says. Politicians do this all the time. People advocating changes in sexual morals do this. I've heard this in my own life from, uh, from people saying specifically, well, the Bible says in Matthew 7, the Bible says don't judge, and therefore they use that as some reason that no one is ever allowed to say anything is wrong. And so I've heard someone say to me these words, you can't say abortion is wrong, the Bible says don't judge. Which, of course, is not even remotely close to what Jesus is saying. But faithfully reading the Bible, consistently studying, coming to church and being involved to be taught will help protect you when temptations arise. And when we are tempted, we must trust in God and what He has told us in the Bible. When we'd prefer to go another way, trust in God and what He has told us in the Bible. When it's hard, Trust in God and what he has told us in the Bible. Do not, do not, do not let the devil win in your life by getting outsmarted by bad Bible reading. Jesus, knows, Jesus shows us that knowing the Bible well is a significant way that God protects us. God has revealed himself and his kingdom values in scripture and his word then protects us in temptation. The word of God protects us. So as we have entered into this season in the church calendar called Lent, I want to challenge us specifically to commit to reading the Bible more faithfully. So as a part of the Ash Wednesday service, which happened just a few days ago, there is an invitation to the observance of Lent. And part of that formal invitation into this season is to go through the season well by, quote, self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Those are three things that Jesus specifically talks about in Matthew 6. And by reading and meditating on God's holy word. So part of the call to us in this season is a renewed commitment to reading deeply from God's word, the Bible. I want to share with you some concrete data on what can happen when we read the Bible. So one of the organizations that Holy Cross supports financially uh, is called Renew World Outreach. And this organization is committing, committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus all around the world by developing tools and developing technology in order to get the Bible to people in their language in formats that they can access. Here's what they've discovered. When they have gone into villages around the world, say in India would be one example of where they've gone, and they'll go into these places and they will show the Jesus film, which is a, uh, a film uh, in, that's been translated into hundreds of languages. And so they'll show a, a uh, visual representation of Jesus' life in the Jesus film. And then after the film, 
they'll have evangelistic preaching, helping to explain what people have just seen, but also giving people a chance to respond and accept Jesus. They do this a lot. It's part of what they do. And when they've done this, they've sometimes found that 10% of the audience responds and commits to Jesus, accepts him, commits to following him. And that is amazing. But what they found is that uh, the, the pastors that continue to work in those areas, over uh, when, the, when the group will sometimes come back and check in on things a year later, what they find is that 10% said yes, but after a year, only 2% are still following Jesus. But what this organization has started to do is they found that if they just leave, this is part of the technology that they, they create, when they just leave an audio Bible behind, with a respected village leader who just promises to literally press play on the, the recorder at set times during the week so that others can come and listen to the Bible. They did this with 500 villages. And to begin with, after sharing the gospel and showing the film, they had 6,000 new believers who committed to listening to the Bible. After six months... The churches in those villages that had the Bible being read to them, not going down by 80%, after six months, those 6,000 believers had grown to 16,000 believers in six months just through listening to the Word of God. Just hearing the Word of God transformed the church and many more committed to following Jesus and stayed committed to Him. Without the Word of God, the church dwindles, which frankly has been too often our case in the West. But with the Word of God, the church thrives. Now, a couple of weeks ago in our service, we had a time of response when each one of us was challenged and invited to write down a specific step of obedience that God was calling us to do. And then if you'll remember, we had moved the baptismal font to the front, and during communion you had the opportunity to come and place that in the baptismal font as a sign of commitment. And I looked through those responses, because of course they were anonymous, I had no idea whose was which, um, but I looked through most of those, um, and I prayed for each person, at, again, not knowing who you were, but prayed for you as I read the responses. But I wanted to let you know that well over 50% of the responses said some version of pray more and read the Bible more. This church needs to read the Bible more. And so in this season of Lent, I have a tool for us to help us read the Bible more. In your handout this morning, there is a half sheet of paper with uh, a Lent reading challenge in it. And basically, it's one chapter from one of the Gospels each day. There are a few days where there are two just to make it line up nicely. Um, but basically, it's a chapter in, the, in Scripture, in one of the Gospels, every day from now until Easter. And all of the readings in this come from the Gospels of Matthew or John, Matthew because it's the main one we're reading this year in our readings, and John because it's the main one used in Holy Week. And so if you keep up with, uh, with this and 
continue to do it, you will read in its entirety the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of John by Easter. And so my question and my challenge is, will you commit to this faithful step of obedience that well over half of us in this room said we need to do to read the Bible faithfully? If you'd prefer to listen to it instead of actually opening it up and putting eyes on the page, there are links at the bottom that you can type in online to listen there. But let me give you some advice. If you're going to commit to doing this, keep reading no matter what. If you say yes and forget tomorrow, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but if you forget tomorrow, don't quit because you're behind. Just pick up where you need to be and keep going. Even if it means you skip two days because you forgot, just pick up where you were and keep going. Don't quit because you got behind and you forget tomorrow and then something big comes up the next day so you don't get around to it and now you're on day four and you're three days behind. Just keep going. Just start there and keep going. Don't let the devil win because you forgot and got behind and feel you'll never catch up. If you're here today and you don't have a Bible, please just take the one that's under the seat in front of you as our gift to you. But commit to reading the Word of God and see what God will do as a result. Friends, God has given us His Word. And when we read and learn and let it sink down deep in us, we find that God guides us in obedience and that He protects us from temptation. And when we do fail, we remember that we have a great Savior who did not. Jesus, who defeated sin and death for us and rose victorious on Easter. And so let us follow his example, knowing for sure that in him we are loved and forgiven and made righteous. So let us always strive to live out that new life that we have in him and commit to reading and learning his word. Amen.